You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Let's dive into the word. Wealth and wisdom, part three. I am glad you are here and I believe you're going to be blessed. First Peter chapter one, verse 10. First Peter chapter one, verse 10. Peter says this of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Now watch this. And let's just take this verse by verse. I'm coming to something, but let's just take this verse by verse. I don't want to skip over anything. We have some time this morning, all right? Verse 10, one more time. Of this salvation, what salvation? The salvation that Jesus brought you. The salvation that you have the moment you say, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Of this salvation that you have right now, what does he say? The prophets, the prophets, who? Which prophets? The ones in the Old Testament. The prophets in the Old Testament, they inquired and they searched carefully. Now, are you ready? Watch this. Who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. They were prophesying. They were carefully looking. They were trying to find the time that grace of God would come. And they had no clue. But now they realized, now, today they realize in heaven, in his presence, they realized everything they were prophesying about was about the grace that God would give to you. Are you with me? about the favor that God would give to you. Everything in the old, listen, they are not complete without you. In fact, in Hebrews, he says it like that. They are not complete. All the prophets of old, David, as great as he was, Solomon, his son, I mean, come on, Jonah and the whale, I mean, Abraham, all the patriarchs of old, they are not complete without you. And everything they were doing was looking forward to this time in 2019, February, was it 10th? February 10th. At a time when a group of people would be sitting in a chapel from World War II and say, wait a second, the grace of God, everything we were prophesying about was about them right here in this moment. They were looking to you. David looked to you and said, how blessed is Matthew Edwards because all his sin is forgiven. How blessed is Matthew Edwards because God is not even imputing his sin to him. (laughs) That when he sins, God does not even impute his sin to him. I wish I could be in that day when Matthew Edwards was. And everyone said, I'm trying to stop clapping because when I clap on the podcast, it makes us laugh and, you know, it messes up the podcast volume. I'm sorry. I get excited, though, man. They prophesied about you and they prophesied about the grace, the favor that God would give you. Are you with me? Let's keep going. Verse 11, searching. Now, they again, the old the prophets of old searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. And the glories that would follow. You are the glory that has followed. They prophesied about Jesus and they prophesied about the glory that would come. You are the glory that would come. Your life may not look very glorious, but by the grace of God, when you walk out of here, you will begin to see the glory that follows his sufferings. That's why it's so important to be in a place where people are talking about the sufferings of Christ, the sufferings of Christ, because glory does not follow your suffering. Thank you for that thunderous amen. Glory does not follow a revelation of you. Glory does not follow a revelation of your failures. Glory follows the revelation of Jesus Christ and all that he suffered for you. That's why when you're hearing Jesus suffered, Jesus suffered, Jesus did it all. The glory of God is right on the heels of that. And everyone said, you know, while he was talking about communion, while he was while he was talking and praying, all of a sudden again, I just had this moment and it just took me right back to this place where, you know what? I used to have tooth pain, real bad tooth pain, real bad. Had to have a root canal on one side, had to have a feeling on the other. And then I started having pain again. And I just began rejecting it in the name of Jesus. I don't care. There's no uh, ancestral curse. There's no none of this. No, I refuse it in the name of Jesus. And I came to this place, but I've had tooth problems. And he said, if you have a tooth pain and then he said, if you've had back pain, I said, oh, my God, he's going to call everything I got. Right? <laughs> I used to have horrible back pain. Some of you remember horrible back pains. And again, I used to reject it in the name of Jesus. I reject, I would take communion for it. But this morning I thought, you know what? I haven't had tooth pain in a while. And I haven't had back pain in a while. And there's always that thought the enemy throws in your mind. If it hasn't happened in a while, then it's coming really soon. 
And I just had this moment while he was giving communion. I said, no, 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 wait a second. I see it there. Jesus had tooth pains at the cross. Jesus's back was, I mean, come on, it was open, exposed. The bones were exposed. My tooth pain is right there. My back pain is right there. If it's there, it can't be here. And by the grace of God, this is the glory that follows. <laughs> and everyone said, Amen. I'm just going to receive it for me. All of you can do this at home, right? <laughs> right? Anyways, let's keep going. Verse 12. Look at this in verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. Not to them, but to us, to you. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel or the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. Whoa. Then verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope, your confidence, your expectation. Rest your expectations fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. <laughs> rest your expectations fully on the grace that comes to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, be radical about this. Be radical about this. Because you know what? Monday through Saturday, I'm not with you. I can't preach to you Monday through Saturday. <laughs> but Monday through Saturday, be radical about this. If you are not talking about Jesus, if you are not revealing Jesus, I don't want to hear you. <laughs> I don't want to hear you. It might be good. But if it's not Jesus, <laughs> I don't want to hear you. All right. Now, again, why? Because you know what? You need to rest your confidence fully on the grace, on the grace that comes in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. we could talk about this for the next 20 minutes. I won't do that to you. Most of you said, amen. I think we got it. Are we good? Can we keep going? <laughs> Watch this. Revelation chapter 11. And I want to share this to make sure we're all on the same page because I'm coming to something. All right. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. The Apostle Paul says, unless I hate when people try to define something in their own terminology. I love when the Bible defines the Bible. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what happens when people try to define the Bible their own way? <laughs> they see in the book of Revelations, the serpent cometh. <laughs> they see the dragon doth blow fire and they say Apache helicopters. And when the bullets come out, the fire and there's like flames coming out, fire comes. It's helicopters in the book of Revelation. John may have, no, John saw dragons, saw fire. <laughs> John saw pictures. When we let the Bible interpret the Bible, the Bible makes sense. And everyone said, all right. Do you know that phrase in, in Revelation? Not part of my sermon. That phrase in Revelation, the dragon spews fire. In one place, he spews fire. Fire speaks of the judgment that, that God would send on the sacrifice. Are you with me? And then the dragon, in a later verse, he says, that old serpent. The old, who was the serpent in the garden that came and deceived Eve and Adam? There you go. It's not a helicopter. <laughs> he saw a dragon. He saw helicopters. He didn't know how to explain it. It was a dragon. Right? Let the Bible interpret the Bible. So when it comes to understanding the grace of God, don't let anyone interpret the grace of God for you. Let God's word interpret God's grace for you. Are you ready to see God's grace defined? Watch this. Paul says, and if it's by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Wasn't that deep? All right, let's break this down because that was so deep. I don't want to lose anyone. If it's by grace, then you cannot deserve it. If it is by grace, you cannot earn it. If it is by grace, it has nothing to do with you. But if it is by works, then it has everything to do with you. Now, again, and I think this is just a powerful truth. I'm going to say it one more time. If it is by grace, then it has nothing to do with you. Now, the theme for this year is this will be the year of what? Reaping. This will be the year of, one more, one more time, reaping. You will reap where you have not sown. Now, if you are going to reap where you have not sown, and it has to do with you, then it's not by the grace of God. But if you are reaping where you have not sown and it has nothing to do with you, then it is the grace of God. Are you with me? That's why, listen, stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your failures. Stop looking at your mistakes. And you know what happens when you do this? When you stop looking at yourself and you start looking at Jesus, you will stop judging the people around you. 
And you'll start telling people, like we said in that in the sermon, I'm sorry, the second service this year, like we said, pray that God sends more people into the harvest. You'll start telling people, I'm reaping where I haven't sown. You also can reap where you haven't sown. Come and reap with me. <laughs> Let's all just reap where we haven't sown. How can you? No, no, if you haven't sown, you can't reap. Go back and get that sermon. No, God wants you to reap where you haven't sown. And the only way you can do it is by his grace. And if it's by his grace, then it can have nothing to do with you. But it must be everything on Jesus. And everyone said, I'm telling you, the Lord wants to give you so much wealth. He wants to give you so much wisdom by the grace of God. But it cannot come by you. It can only come by Jesus. It can only come by you receiving it. It can only come that way. Man, it can only come that way. I told you I'm excited. Now, let me take you one more place, and then we're going to dive into the book of Genesis. All right? One more place, and then we're going to look at the life of Benjamin. Okay? And I'm going to share this. I think this is going to be our final piece of our Wealth and Wisdom um, series. But let's look at the book of Acts. Now, watch what Paul says in the book of Acts. Watch this in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Paul is coming towards the end of his life. This is not the end of the book of Acts, but he's coming to the end and he's leaving some of the saints in one place and he's going to another. And he says this. So now, brethren, I commend you. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, not the word of his law, but the word of his what? His grace. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Again, that word sanctified means all those who are holy, all those who are separated. Are you with me? Notice it's not your behavior that is able to build you up. It's not your self-control that is able to build you up. It is the grace of God that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are separated from everyone else. God wants to give you wealth. God wants, in fact, God wants you to give you the power to get wealth. And God wants you to have wealth. But you know what? He wants you to have more than everything else. Wisdom. Wisdom. And if you will stay in grace, pursue the grace of God. I mean, be radical about the grace of God. Get it, man. Get it. If you will stay radical about the grace of God, I promise you this. This is not my guarantee to you. This is the guarantee of God's own word. Grace is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are not like everyone else in the world. There are a group of people who are successful. We said this last Sunday. There are a group of people who are wealthy and they're successful by the world standards, but they have no time for their families. There are some people who are so wealthy and they have so much money, they have lost their families. Their children want nothing to do with them. All right. They've been in and out of of relationship after relationship. There are people in the world who have lots of money, but they're so sick they can never enjoy it. God wants you to have good success. God wants you to have good success and good success means you will have time for your children. You have time for your families. You have time for church. You have time to stand and sit in his presence. You'll have time for the house of God. You will have time. You have time. And you know what? Time is the one thing that you never really get back, but God can restore time back to you. Are you with me? If even It doesn't matter your age. Don't look at your age and say, well, I've lost too much time. No, 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 no. God can restore time back to you. And don't look at your age because you know what? God can restore you back to the days of your youth. Abraham started when he was, what, 80 years old, 80 plus? That's when his story started. (laughs) That's when his story started. So don't look at time. Don't look at age. Don't look at anything around you. Look to him and let grace build you up. Let grace give you a, a a good success and a good inheritance among those who have been separated from the rest of the world. Now, let me say this. Do you know that you have been separated from the rest of Charlotte? Whether you know it or not, whether you see it or not, you've been separated from everyone. You've been separated from your co-workers. You're separated. Now, I call this sanctification. And then ministers call this holiness. All right, let's just bring it down to regular, everyday conversation. You're separated. Well, I don't act like it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Jesus is your holiness. Jesus is your sanctification. Jesus is your separation from them. You are separated. When the world gets sick, you don't. When the stock market plunges, your stocks will still be standing tall. And everyone said, amen. 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 When the rest of the world is suffering, you will not. There can be darkness in Egypt, but there will always be light where you find yourself. And everyone said, you ready to go home?
No, man, no, you know me better than that. All right, let's do this. Genesis chapter, let's pick up in chapter 30. Now, like I said, we're going to present this in a little bit of a different manner. I might use my Bible today. I'm not sure. So if you brought yours, good. (laughs) But we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 30. I went back accidentally. And we're going to look at the Benjamin. uh, We're going to look at the story of Benjamin. Say Benjamin. Benjamin. All right. And Benjamin had an older brother. What's his older brother's name? Joseph. Now, when you look at the story of Benjamin, I want to be very clear. Uh, from the beginning, that way we don't have to spend too much time because there's a lot of verses, but we're going to go through the story. Okay, so I hope I don't lose anyone. If I do, it's okay. Go back, get the CD or the podcast. But anyways, we're going to look at the life of Benjamin. Now, before we look at Benjamin's life, we have to look at his older brother because Benjamin's story is intrinsically tied into the story of his older brother. And who is his older brother? One more time. Joseph. Now, we all know Joseph from the time we were kids. Joseph in the coat of many colors, right? Now, I don't want to go too much into his story, but we have to follow Joseph's story to understand Benjamin. Okay. now, what does all this have to do with wealth and wisdom? I'll show you when we get to the end. But before we come there, I want you to know something. Um, In fact, let's look at the the birth of Joseph. Okay. it says, then God remembered Rachel, who is Joseph's mother, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Now watch this. When her husband married her, the day he tried to marry her, he was tricked. She wore a veil over her face. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm trying to. (laughs) She wore a veil over her face at the wedding ceremony. All right. And she kept the veil on the entire time the ceremony was going. When the ceremony ended, everyone's drinking, they're having a good time. He goes in to be with his wife, who he thinks is Rachel, only to find out it's her, the Bible says it this way, her ugly older sister Leah. <laughs> he goes in and says, he doesn't know it, because fill in the blanks. So the next morning he wakes up and he realizes, you're not Rachel, you're Leah. You're not the one I wanted to marry. So he goes to the father-in-law and says, what did you do? You tricked me. And the father-in-law, Laban, says, in our you know, in our, around our people, it's customary. The oldest daughter goes first. Right? So Leah had to be married first. He says, well, you, I worked seven years for Rachel. He said, work seven more. I'll give you Rachel. So he works seven more years. Seven years later, he goes, he marries Rachel. Now he's married to the older and the younger. Okay. Now, as time goes on, and I'm missing a lot of skipping a lot of details. As time goes on, Leah, go, Rachel goes in to try and have birth, but she can't. The Bible says her womb is closed. She can't be fruitful. But Leah goes in and she has a son. So she names him. I can't remember the name, but she names him. She comes to the second one. She names him. She comes to the third. She names him. But every time she has a baby, she realizes that Jacob's love is not for her. His love is still for the younger sister. So when she starts giving birth to these children, she starts naming them. Now my husband will notice me. When she comes to the next one, this time he will definitely notice me. All right. (laughs) She has another child. She says, the Lord remembers me now. After about her third or fourth son, she realizes, okay, I'm not having children anymore. So she gives her her her, her servant, her maidservant. In fact, I'm skipping details. Rachel says, how does my older sister have this many? I want some. But she can't have any. So she gives her maidservant up. Her servants start having children. Ten children later, all right, Rachel is still barren. Leah has her own. The servants have their own. Rachel has none. Then you come to this verse in verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel. Remember our Christmas service? Remember that Christmas sermon? And we called it God when God remembers. God remembered Rachel when it looked like everyone else was being noticed. She cries out to the Lord and God remembers Rachel. When God remembers you, he will make what comes from you greater than everyone else. All right. God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, look what she said. God has taken away my reproach. Now the son that comes forth. He will take away the reproach. And watch this. So she called his name Joseph, saying and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Now, Joseph is a type and shadow, just so we can go ahead and move on. Joseph is a type and shadow of Jesus. All right. He's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And what happens is this. Joseph, his name in the Hebrew is Yosef. Yosef. Watch this. In the Hebrew, look at this. Yosef literally means in the Hebrew, he increases. When Jesus comes into your life, he will take away everything that makes you a reproach. He'll take away everything that makes you embarrassed. He'll take away everything that you were ashamed of. When Jesus, his grace comes into your life, he removes all the reproach and he begins to cause you to multiply. Are you with me? His name means he increases. 
Now watch this. After Joseph is born, a few years passes. Then we come to the birth of his younger brother, Benjamin. Watch this. Genesis chapter 35. It says, now it came to pass when Rachel was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear. You will have this son also. And it's, and so it was as her soul was departing for she died that she called his name Ben-Oni. But his father called him Benjamin or in the Hebrew Ben-Yamin. Now she said while she's giving birth, she's about to die. And she's literally in so much pain. She screams out, call him Ben-Oni, which in the Hebrew means son of pain or son of sorrow. But the father speaks up and says, no, call him Benjamin, Ben-Yamin. Ben means son, Yamin, right hand. Call him the son of my right hand. Now watch this. Joseph now has 10 older brothers that are all half siblings. They have different mothers. Same father, different mothers. Now that Benjamin is born, he has one full-blooded brother. And it's a younger brother. And what does the father say call him? Benjamin, son of my right hand. Are you still with me? Now, Matthew, what in the world? What does this have to do with anything? I hope I'm not losing you. Why is this important? Do you know that everyone who insists on being under the law, they are our brothers in Christ, but they are our half brothers. Everyone who is still trying to earn God's favor. Yes, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, but they are your half brothers. I can show you this in Galatians, but we don't have time. All right. They're your half siblings. But when Jesus comes, he is grace personified. When he comes now, because of the cross, he has younger brothers and sisters. He is our older brother and we are not half siblings to him. We are his full blooded brothers and sisters in him. Are you with me? And we are the only ones he has. <laughs> Aren't you? Oh, now I'm going to show you how that factors into the story later. But you have to see the birth, the birth of the first one. She said he increases the birth of the second and her only second child was Benjamin Son of my right hand. Where is Jesus today? At the what hand? The right hand of God. What does the right hand speak of? Favor. Favor. You are seated in Christ. In Ephesians, you are seated in Christ. In heavenly places. What does that mean? Where Christ is seated at the right hand in God's favor, so are you seated in God's favor. You and I are Benjamin, the sons and daughters of his right hand. And everyone said, Amen. Now we're going to move through the story of Joseph. I'm going to show you one or two things and then I'm going to show you Benjamin. Is that okay? I'll be mindful of the time. Now we're going to fast forward. After Benjamin is born, you pick up in Genesis chapter 20, I'm sorry, chapter 37. Now in Genesis 37, Joseph, uh, we'll pick up at verse three. It says, now Israel, who's also Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, again, most of us know the story. But again, I want to touch on the major points. So all of us are together. OK, now keep in mind, he loves Joseph because he's the son of his old age. And as much as he loves Joseph, the 10 older brothers, they hate him. Now, 10 is an interesting number. What does what do we know from the number 10? 10 speaks of the 10 what Amen. commandments. It speaks of people who are under the law, the Ten Commandments. Are you with me? And they hated him. The Bible says in John chapter one, Jesus came into his own, but his own received him not. So when Jesus comes to his own people, his own brothers, they couldn't receive him because they hated him. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they hated him. In fact, I want to challenge you on a verse. Take this home and just think about this. Jesus said, if they hated me, the world will hate you also. And most Ministers preach that verse by saying, the world hates us. Sinners hate us. Sinners hate us. And then one day it dawned on me, sinners didn't hate Jesus. Sinners loved him. <laughs> Who hated Jesus? The teachers of the law. When Jesus said, the world hated me, they'll hate you also. Who was he talking about? He wasn't talking about sinners. He was talking about people in the church. There is a strong movement pushing against the grace of God, pushing against Christianity. Yes, yes. But you know what? That's only because pure grace has not been taught. When grace came walking down the street, sinners ran to him. Sinners invited him to their homes. Sinners said, please save me for I'm sinful. Sinners ran to him. But as long as self-righteousness was taught, people hated Jesus. How dare you say God will heal someone when they did nothing to deserve it? How dare you? How Self-righteousness is the reason why the world can't stand Christianity. Thank you for that thunder statement. I will move on. Let's keep going before I get in trouble. So Genesis chapter 37. 
So anyways, it says, now Israel loved Joseph more. We already read this. So Joseph comes to his older brothers. They hate him. They hate him because he's loved more than them. God said out loud on three occasions, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And you know, when God said that at the Jordan River, there were some Pharisees present. (laughs) When God said that in John, Jesus was walking down. He came down on the donkey and they were all saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. He got off the donkey and God said out loud, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I have glorified his name. (laughs) So the Pharisees knew that he was the one that God loved and they hated him all the more. Are you ready? People don't like you, not because you're good looking and you are. And everyone said people don't like you because God loves you. And they're seeing the love of God for you more than they're seeing it in their own lives. All right. And everyone said, let's keep going. Now, after they have this issue, we come to verse 28. Now, Joseph is hated by his brothers. He has two dreams. The first dream, I'm not going to go into them. In both dreams, he sees his brothers will bow to him. In the second one, his parents also will bow to him. They all look at him and say, who do you think you are? So one day he goes out to see his brothers. And the Bible says when his brothers see him, they grab him, throw him into a pit, and they decide they want to kill him. Reuben speaks up and says, don't kill him. He's our brother. Don't kill him. Let's find something else to do. But while Reuben is gone, we come to verse 20. What is this? Verse 28. It says, then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit. And they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took him to Egypt. Now, watch this real quick. Joseph was sold for 20. How much was Jesus betrayed for? 30 pieces of silver. Do you see the parallels? Joseph is the type and shadow of who? Jesus. All right. Now we're coming to Benjamin in a moment. Just bear with me. What Joseph thought was most likely here. I am in a pit. I had a dream that they would be bowing down to me. Even the sun, the moon and the stars would bow to me. Now I'm on my way to Egypt. What does any of this have to do with what God told me? He was where God told me he was going to take me. Now, I say this by the grace of God. I only put this in here. I was just going to skip all this and go to the end of the story. But while I was preparing this, the Lord said, no, no, remind them where you are at right now is not where you will be. Where you are right now is not where you will be. Some of you have seen the vision in your heart, even even as the year crossed over. You saw again, you saw again where God was taking you. Where you are right now is not where God will, is not the end. It's not the end. All right. So he finds himself on the way to Egypt. In Egypt, he's picked up by a man named what? Who? What's, what's the man's name who bought Joseph on the slave market? Potiphar. Potiphar picks him up. And Joseph has absolutely nothing to his name. No money, no credit, no nothing. <laughs> he's got nothing. And with nothing in his pocket, what happens? Verse, uh, sorry, chapter 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found what? Found favor in his sight and served him. Served him even though the favor was on him. Watch this. Then he made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put under his authority. Verse 5. So it was when the time that, sorry, so it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I'm telling you, because God is with you, you are successful. You are successful. It's not what you know. It's not who you, I'm, I'm, I'll take that back. It's not what you have in your hands. As a pastor of a church, and I want our church to continue growing. And I used to say, it's more resources. God, send us more resources. Oh, God, send us more. And it's more of this. Oh, God, send us more of this. And I've I'm, I'm, I'm prayed every prayer you can possibly think. <laughs> I have. Everyone I could come up with. And then the Lord says, but it's not what you have. It's who you have. It's who you have. When I am with you, you will be successful. Because God is with you, you will be successful. And you will be so successful. I'm t- look, he was not called to be Potiphar's man, house manager. <laughs> he wasn't, that was not his destiny. But like we said last week, if you find yourself in the house of an Egyptian, God will make you the head of the whole house. Potiphar gave him so much he didn't even know what he had except for the food he ate when he came home. 
My God, everything he had, he gave to Joseph because the favor of God was on him. Church, this is the gospel of favor. The gospel of favor. That when you have nothing and you can't do anything at all, the favor of God will make a difference between you and everyone else in the house. And with the favor that God gives you, serve people, serve people, love people, be gracious with people. My God, love your boss. Pray for them. Pray for the people around you. Pray for the ones who hurt you. Pray for the ones who are giving you more to do and you already have too much on your plate. Because God is giving you grace to serve someone else. He's giving you grace so he can continue to elevate you. And I guarantee you this, when Potiphar went to the, to the, to the, uh, the general's meeting and they said, oh, my, I, had to, I had to correct this servant. Another one said, I had to take this servant out. Another one, I had to kill my servant. He was stealing from me. Potiphar sat back and said, I don't even know what my servant's doing. <laughs> Who is your servant? Joseph. <laughs> I bought him on a slave market. How did you get him? Are there any more like him? <laughs> you know why? Because the grace of God makes the difference. It's the grace of God that makes the difference. This is the gospel of favor. And everyone said, Amen. thank you, Jesus. Let's keep going. After Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife sees him. And I put this last verse here in verse six. It says verse six one more time. Thus he left all he had in Joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I put that up there because I want you to see something. It doesn't have been handsome before, but it says it now. Now that the Lord is with him. Now, don't forget, Joseph is handsome and very good looking. For all the women, you are beautiful and very good looking. You know why? Because the Lord is with you. The grace of God is with you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Potiphar's wife sees that he is good looking. She tries to come come on to him. Joseph runs. I tell this all the time to any young man that will listen to me. When it comes to any other sin, you can say, no, resist Resist the devil, he'll flee. When it comes to sexual sin, follow Joseph. Run. (laughs) Don't resist. Run. (laughs) Joseph knew something that most people in today's age don't understand. If I tell her no, I may change my mind. Run. And every man said, God never tells a man in his word to resist sexual temptation. He always says, flee. (laughs) Run. So he runs. He runs and all of a sudden he gets falsely accused. After he's falsely accused, Potiphar throws him in prison. And while he is in prison, <laughs> we come to verse 20. Same chapter, 39, 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Awesome sentence. He was there in prison. Think about this. He's in prison. Prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor. There's the word grace again. Gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. Why am I telling you favor so much? Because what you need is not more resources. You don't need more hours. You don't need more time. What you need is the favor of God. One drop of favor is worth more than 10 years of labor. All you need is one drop of God's favor on your life. It will change the entire game for you. You don't need more. You just need more favor. And just keep asking God for favor. Just keep receiving more favor. I'm telling you, because when God puts his favor on you, I don't care who is rising in ranks. When God puts his favor on you, you will rise to the top. You will rise to the top. The favor of God will cause you to rise to the top. Watch this, verse 23. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Everywhere he goes, the people who are above him say, we don't care what he's doing anymore because we trust him. The favor of God on you. Now, after this, we need to move along because we're running out of time. After this, he encounters a butler and a baker. Are you with me? Butler is the one responsible for the cup. He must drink the cup before the before Pharaoh, because if it's poison, Pharaoh will die. Right. But if it's poison, the butler will die in his place. It's an awesome job to have. I bet he knew everyone in the kitchen. Please. <laughs> Come on, guys. You like I like you. right? So anyways, the butler is responsible for the cup, but the baker is responsible for the bread. They both end up in prison while they're in prison. Joseph encounters them and they say we had crazy dreams. Paraphrasing crazy dreams. He says, tell me all interpretation belongs to the Lord. So they said, OK, well, butler says I had a dream in the dream. I saw grapes. Now, we shared this last time we talked about communion in my dream. I saw grapes. Joseph says the interpretation is this. Three days from now, you'll be restored back to your position. You'll get it back. The baker says, I had saw three baskets of bread and the, and the ravens came and ate the bread. He says, three days from now, your head will be cut off. 
what in the world? <laughs> so three days later, guess what happens? The butler's restored, the baker is killed. And when we talked about communion, what did we say? If you only see the bread, but you don't see the blood, you will still die. You must understand it's the blood of Jesus that qualified you. It's the blood of Jesus that brought the grace of God to you. It's the blood of Jesus that set you free. It's the blood. It's the blood. Even if you if you fall sick, don't let go. of The, the blood is the one that is the trick. You must get the blood. Are you with me? All right. So we're moving right along. After that, he tells them on the way out. He tells the butler on the way out. Don't forget me. The butler forgets. <laughs> Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh has a dream. He calls all his magicians, all his uh, everyone who messes with the dark arts, the dark magic. And he says, tell me if you can interpret. None of them can. Finally, the butler says, oh, hey, two years ago, someone uh, told me not to forget him. I did. He can interpret your dream. So they bring Joseph before him. They, they, they cut his hair, dress him up, and he stands before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says the famous words we said last week and the week before. Pharaoh says this. Is there anyone like him with the spirit of God on him? Then he says to Joseph directly, there is no one else in my kingdom with the wisdom of God like you. So I'm going to make you my number two in the entire kingdom. Now, where is Jesus right now again? At the what? Right here. Who is above Jesus? Only God. Only God. And everyone else is now under him. Joseph is a type and shadow of who? Jesus. So the brothers come to Joseph. I'm sorry. So seven years of plenty happened. Everyone enjoys seven years. But seven years later, all of a sudden famine hits the land. During the seven years of famine, all of a sudden Jacob and his 10 sons, now 11 because Joseph is gone. Benjamin is there. His 11 sons start running out of food. So he sends the 10 older brothers to Egypt to go find food. Again, we all know the story, but I'm coming to something, all right? He sends the 10 older ones to go and find food. When they go to find food, they encounter Joseph, who recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. But the brothers don't recognize him. So he looks at them and says, all of you are spies. You're all spies. And they say, no, 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 my Lord, we're not spies. Yes, you are. You're spies. No, my Lord, we're not spies. And then all of a sudden, the truth comes out. My Lord, we had a brother, and, and we sold him into slavery, and we made a lot of mistakes. And my father has another brother at home. Please, we need to take all the food. And he goes, you, you have a brother at home? Yes, my Lord, we have a, we have a younger brother at home. He says, okay, well, i tell you what. Bring your younger brother back. I'll hold you here. Bring your younger, younger brother back. Okay? Now, three days later, when he sends them all home, this is what we come to verse 22. And Reuben answered them, said, did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy talking about Joseph and you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter and he turned himself away from them and wept. And he turned to them again and talked with them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Now, I learned this from Joseph Prince. It's a powerful truth. Simeon, his name in the Hebrew is Shema. Shema. Say Shema. Shema literally means hearing. It speaks of hearing. All right. Now, Shema. I don't want to get distracted. Shema literally means hearing. He takes Simeon and he holds him in prison and sends the other nine brothers home. Now, at his first coming, they did not recognize who Jesus was. They not only rejected him, but they didn't know who he was. The first time the brothers encounter Joseph, they don't know who he is because he's speaking through an interpreter and he's all dressed up in Egyptian apparel. Are you with me? Now, today in the house of God, I am an interpreter, so to speak. Are you with me? That's why I say this all the time. I don't blame God's people when they don't act like they should. I blame the interpreters. I blame the preachers and teachers who are not preaching the grace of God like they should. When God's people are suffering needlessly and God's people don't act the way they should act, I don't blame them. I blame the one who is coming to them and telling them from the mouth of the one who's speaking to them. It's not your fault. Many of us have suffered with things, but listen, by the grace of God, it is not your fault. We suffer needlessly, but Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And everyone said, amen. amen. Now, we come to this part of the story. He takes Simeon. Simeon means hearing. At his first coming, he took Simeon from the Jews. Literally, he took their hearing. For the last 2,000 years, the Jews have not been able to hear. Jesus was the one. Now, in the last couple of days, they have been hearing more Jews are beginning to see. What are we seeing? Simeon as a type is becoming is, is beginning to be released back to the Jewish people. Are you with me? And the Jews are beginning to hear again. Jesus was the one. What happens? They go home and they tell their father everything that happened. And he cries out. Why would you tell him I had another son? I lost Joseph. I will not lose Benjamin. But the famine is very severe. And as time would permit, they run out of food again. And they say, we have to take 
Benjamin or else he won't give us any food. And what about Simeon? He says, I don't care. You will not take Benjamin. And finally, Judah speaks up and says, look, look, look. If I don't come back with Benjamin, you take my sons. Finally, he has no choice. They have no food. Take Benjamin. Now, what did I say earlier? We are a Benjamin generation. All of us are the son of his right hand. Now, I want you to watch. Most of us have heard the Benjamin generation before. But the reason why I'm sharing this at the end of our wealth and wisdom series is this. I want you to see how you will get it. All right. Everyone still with me? Now, watch this. Benjamin comes before Joseph with all his brothers. They travel back to Egypt. When they get to Egypt, Joseph looks and he sees all of them, but he hasn't noticed Benjamin yet. Now, watch this. Watch this exchange. This is beautiful. It says, then Joseph gave a command. Oh, man, I missed this part. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Genesis 43. It says, so the men took the present and Benjamin, and they took double money in their hand and arose and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph, talking about Benjamin and his brothers. Verse 16. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, take these men to my home, slaughter an animal, and make ready, for these men will dine with me at noon. Now, again, while I was preparing for this, I thought, Lord, which verses, which ones should I not use? And I felt so impressed from the Lord to use this verse. Because you know what the Lord shared with me? He said this, as we begin to share the Benjamin generation with our church, as we begin to expound on this in our church, and we will more in the days to come, as we do this, what did Joseph do when he saw Benjamin? Now, before, he put all of them in prison. But the second time they appear and Benjamin is with them, he says, now open my house. Now, what have we been asking God for as a church? God, give us our own house. And when I saw this, the Lord said, son, share this as a church. Share this. Because as you begin to understand, we are the sons and daughters of his right hand. We are under the favor of God. God is beginning to open his house for us. And Center Church will have a house. And everyone said, Amen. amen. All right. Now they find themselves in Joseph's house. And what happens? Joseph goes out, does the things he needs to do. But while he's gone, the brothers look at each other and they say, what in the world is going on? (laughs) Absolutely terrified. One minute he calls the spies. The next minute he brings us to his house. What are we doing? Joseph comes in and says, go ahead and put them them at the table. When they set up at the table, all of a sudden they're seated from the oldest to the youngest. Then they start looking down the table going, something is really wrong. (laughs) What in the world has happened to us? Who would have known how old we are and the oldest to the youngest? And Benjamin is also at the table. Then we pick up, Joseph comes into the house. Watch what happens. Where are we at? Chapter 43. It says, then Joseph lifted his eyes and he saw his brother, Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, is this your younger brother whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be what to you? God be what? Oh, come on, church, one more time. God be what to you? His first words to Benjamin were grace, grace. God give you what you have not earned. God give you what you do not deserve. I'm telling you this morning, if you need healing, God give you what you have not earned. If you need financial help, God give you what you have not earned. If you need favor at your business, God give you what you have not earned. God give you what you have not deserved. His first words to Benjamin were, God be gracious to you. God be gracious to you. This is the gospel of favor. This is the good news of favor. That God would give you what you don't deserve. His first words to him. That's why I tell you, man, I'm, oh man, be radical about this. Jesus' words to you this morning are, God is gracious to you. God is gracious. What did Benjamin say to him? <laughs> Can you find Benjamin speaking one time in this story? You won't find it. You won't find it. I challenge you, go home. Read the whole story of Genesis. You won't find one place where Benjamin speaks at all. You know why? Because what God has for you has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. God's healing for you has nothing to do with your behavior. God's love for you has nothing to do with your behavior. God's miracles for you has nothing to do with what you have said, what you have done. Don't get me wrong. I want you to worship the Lord at home. I want you to pray in the spirit like never before. I want you to take communion. I want you to do these things that God has given you. I want you to. But before you do any of that, don't do it because you need something. Do it because you know that God loves you. And when you know that God loves you, all that stuff will just come. You will find yourself doing these things because you know that he loves you. And everyone said, watch this. Verse 30, now his heart yearned for his younger brother. You will never see that phrase for the older 10. It's not that he was angry with them. 
But as long as you are under the law, as long as you're trying to earn what God has for you, you'll never reach his heart. But Benjamin shows up, does absolutely nothing. And what does he say? Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went to his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out and he restrained himself and said, serve the bread. Bread was not served until Benjamin encounters Joseph. Are you with me? God is now giving bread to the world because you have encountered his grace. Are you with me? Bread is now being dispensed by the bread giver. Jesus is the bread of life. Joseph is responsible for all the bread in the known world at that time. Are you with me? Now bread is being served. Then we come to verse. Actually, let's keep moving along. And I need to close with this. We come to verse where are we at. And now it's not working. There we go. We come to verse chapter 43, verse 34. And I'll close with this. While he's there, in fact, let me let me back up. <laughs> While we're here, do I have the verse after this? I do. Verse 40, chapter 43, verse 34 says this. After Joseph Christ, he comes back into the room and says, all right, everyone, let's start eating. Everyone starts eating. They bring the food out to the oldest, to Judah. They bring it to Reuben. They bring it to Dan, to Naphtali. They bring it all the way down the line. Then when they get to Joseph, the servant comes and gives him one plate. The next servant comes, gives him a second. The third one comes, gives him three, four. And all of a sudden, the fifth servant comes out and gives him five. And everyone else is eating a portion of food. And they look at Benjamin and say, why does he have five times more than the rest of us? (laughs) Why does he have five times more than us? We get a meal. He gets a buffet. <laughs> Why? Now, interesting number, that number five. What does five represent in the Bible? Grace. When you have God's favor on you, you will have five times more than everyone else. You will have five times more. I'm telling you, let me say this. If you have a business in 2019, and I say this graciously, if you have a business, and by the grace of God, and I, I say, I'll say this, prophetically I say this to you. If you have a business in 2019, expect five times more than all your competitors. Where everyone else is eating, you will have five times more. Are you with me? I'm telling you, this is the gospel of favor. Interesting number, that number five. Are you with me? So after this happens, Joseph stands up and says, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. He says, I can't do this. He jumps up and says, it's me, your brother. And they all look at him and go, who in the world is this? <laughs> then he calls all his servants and says, everyone leave, everyone leave. And he starts taking off his apparel. Now watch this. He takes off all his apparel and he says, it's me, your brother, Joseph. And then they realize, oh, it's the one we sold into slavery, the one we've been talking about. He knew everything we were saying this whole time. <laughs> and they panic. Now I'm going to close with this. This is my final verse. I'm going to close with this. Verse 45, Joseph says this. This is so beautiful. Oh, man, I love this. Verse 45, Joseph says this, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. When I saw this last night, I was almost in tears. You know why? Because I am a firm believer in owning up to the fact it was my sin that put Jesus there. There are benefits in believing that. But once you say, okay, I'm responsible, his next words to you are this. You didn't send me there. God sent me there. Everything you did all your mistakes, all your failures. Yes, I went there because of that. But it was God who sent me to the cross for you so that I could preserve you, so that I could preserve all of this for you. Are you with me? The Egyptians are eating good, but you will eat better because everything that you did wasn't really you. It was God working to bring me here to save you. When I saw that, I felt such a peace. Such a lightness that God is saying, take the pressure off of you. Take the pressure off. Well, God, this mistake is my fault. Let me take the pressure off of you. Everything that you've done, I'm going to cause it to work for you. Well, God, I I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have done that. I know I'm, I'm owning up to the fact. Okay, but everything that you did, I am here to take that pressure off of you. (laughs) Is it? Look at the love of our say. So now it was. Not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh. Oh, geez. Anyways. And Lord of all his house <laughs> and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And we close with this. Verse 22. And he gave to all of them to each man changes of garments. After he reveals who he is, he says these awesome words. He says, go back home. Tell my father to come. Tell his children to come. Get everybody and tell them all to come. I can't come, but you tell all of them to come. And On your way back home, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you with food, grain, clothes. I'm going to send you with everything you need. Verse 22, he gave to all of them, to each man, changes of clothes. 
They came wearing shepherd garments. They go home looking like Egyptians. I mean, they look good, right? So he goes, he sends them all home with clothes and food. But to Benjamin, he gave him 300 pieces of silver. And how many changes of clothes? I'm telling you, if God has a favorite, it has to be you. <laughs> if God has a favorite, oh, God doesn't play favorites. God plays favorites. <laughs> he plays favorites. I'm serious. God plays favorites. And you know who he plays favorites with? People who say, I am sold out to grace. I am sold out to grace. Because you have persevered and said, I want to, I want to hear Jesus. I want to hear Jesus. And it's not just this church, but because you persevere and say, I want to hear Jesus. Don't just tell me something good. I want to hear Jesus. Jesus. God is going to play favorites with you. Everyone in the house will eat. All my half brothers and sisters, they will get something from the Lord. But I will get five times more than everyone else. And may you get five times more than everyone else. May you not just be healed. May you be healthy. May you not just have wealth, but may you have prosperity. And everyone said, I'm telling you, God is going to begin to increase you. You know why? Because Joseph's name is he increases. Everything he wants to do for you is to multiply and increase you. I'm telling you, wealth and wisdom. You will be known for your wealth. You'll be known for your wisdom. When Benjamin went home, imagine everyone walking in with bags and Benjamin's got servants carrying his stuff with him. Yeah. <laughs> Benjamin, what happened to you? What happened to the rest? Did they say something? No, that is, you know, <laughs> I'm his brother. What did I expect? <laughs> you know, he's my older brother. What did I expect? Jesus is your older brother. What should you expect? And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.